How's it going, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome into another episode of Suncast. My name is Reagan Harrell. Josh, not able to be here today. We actually rescheduled this a couple times, trying to get, get it right, but the student-athlete life fully caught up to him starting up the semester. I'm sure a lot of you listening know about that, but I am here, and happy Friday. We made it. Uh, you know, my fellow Weber Warriors, we have made it through our first week of class. Everybody else has gotten started up as well. And we have a great interview for y'all today. We have the football coach and the athletic director of the St. Thomas Bobcats, Coach Bill Reichel, uh, on today's episode. A great interview, a little over 40 minutes. Him and I got to sit down and have a great conversation. He's a great guy. We've talked many times off air, and it was great to have him on and talk a little bit about Bobcat football, Bobcat athletics. Uh, Interesting, uh, you know, his role as an athletic director and as a head coach. And we get to talk about uh, the hot starts for St. Thomas Athletics, and that's kind of where we're going to start up at. So as uh, all of you know, everything is fully underway, but we can start down in Miami Gardens uh, with their volleyball team because they are off to a great start. 4-1, we've talked about them uh, a lot uh, in the last couple of episodes. Their great start along with the Kaiser Seahawks uh, volleyball, but... This weekend is a really interesting week on a national scale for St. Thomas Volleyball as they head up to Kansas uh, for the com- uh, competitive, very competitive weekend. They take on three top 25 teams. They're actually taking on Mid-America, Nat- Nazarene right now. That one, uh, I believe, is just now uh, starting up Yeah, 2 o'clock. They're uh, just uh, now getting started up out in Kansas. Uh, they will also be going up against Columbia College, the number 11 ranked team uh, in the country and then Hastings they will be playing the number 21 team in the country that will be uh, tomorrow on Saturday Uh, we had another big upset recently we had the Southeastern Fire women's volleyball team take down Taylor the Taylor Trojans number 12 team in the country Southeastern in four sets so and you know early season preseason rankings uh, take them with a grain of salt but if Taylor truly is a top 15 team and you have Southeastern beating them it's kind of like oh hey watch out uh, for other teams in the conference also earlier today Warner got their first win of the season in dominant fashion against Trinity Baptist. I can't say uh, in the last couple of years of covering Sun Conference volleyball, I guess this year, not technically year two, but either way, I don't think I've ever seen a team held to a combined five points over two sets, but that is what Warner did to Trinity Baptist. Also, uh, this weekend, uh, men's and women's soccer. Lindsey Wilson, uh, top consistently a top five, top ten team nationally, but yeah, number five in the country right now. They're traveling down south, and they are taking on St. Thomas today as well in a big-time uh, matchup there. And then they will have another top ten matchup against the Kaiser Seahawks tomorrow. And Kaiser, after that big 2 nothing win against Mobile, uh, lost their next game, and they currently trail Rocky Mountain, a team outside the top 25, 1-0. That game is in a lightning delay uh, as we speak. But uh, I- interesting for Kaiser. I mean, a big win uh, against Mobile, and uh, since then, number nine team in the, sh- in the country, struggling a little bit. Uh, Florida Memorial, uh, a team we talked a little bit about uh, with, with uh, 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 geez, uh Coach Bond, there we go, Coach Bond, uh, for a, a Weber's head coach. But they uh, tied Missouri Baptist 1-1. I tell you, that is a program, a Florida Memorial men's and women's soccer team. There is a lot of hype 
of coming out of Miami Gardens. I've had my ear to the ground over there. They are very high on both of their new coaches, and hopefully we'll be hearing for one from one or two of them uh, a little bit later on. I know Flomo, they're playing new College of Florida today. Uh, some other matchups this weekend in the soccer world. Uh, Kaiser Women's Soccer, the the juggernaut that they are, they are kicking off their season against another traditional powerhouse outside the top 25 to start the year. But Georgia Gwinnett, uh, they will be the first team on the Kaiser Seahawks schedule. I know we talked um, with uh, their athletic director, Chris Swoga, earlier uh, this summer. Uh, and that was obviously a matchup that we both had circled. Uh, also on Saturday, obviously football uh, fully on kicking off, uh, be get, getting underway. Thomas University, they get their first matchup in program history, taking on the Georgia Warhawks, Georgia College, that is. Uh, up in then Brevard, North Carolina, Warner will be uh, taking on uh, Brevard, Brevard College. Uh, Babson Park, yours truly, will be participating uh, in. Weber International taking on Cumberland University, and then Flomo taking on Edward Waters. Of course, uh, some big matchups. Uh, well, one more. We have Ave Maria taking on Lawrence Tech. Lawrence Tech, a team didn't have great success below 500 team, but it is on the road. So Ave Maria with a road test. And then the two big matchups that I believe everybody has circled, all the football fans in the Sun Conference have circled. Savannah State traveling to Lakeland, Florida, uh, Southeastern, went up to the Peach State and took care of business uh, against the Tigers last year. And now Savannah State with a little revenge on their mind. And then St. Thomas, the big game, uh, Josh's game of the week. St. Thomas uh, traveling up to Deland, Florida, and will uh, be taking on Stetson. That's a game, obviously, I have a lot of interest in. Uh, other than it being a big-time uh, opportunity for the Sun Conference, which we get to talk uh, with Coach Reichel uh, about here shortly. Not going to keep you all too much longer. But uh, Stetson is whoever plays next week, so I'm going to obviously have my eye on that one. But the game that's his game of the week, um, and we're going to give a football breakdown uh, here in just a minute what his notes have. But I'm going to tell you all, my big, uh, my, my big game of the week, it is that Kaiser – uh, versus Georgia Gwinnett. There are some other really good matchups um, in, in Sun Conference women's soccer uh, this week, including SCAD taking on a top 25 Reinhardt team. But uh, Kaiser, they are the, the bell of the ball, the number three team in, in the country. Um, this is going to be a, this is obviously a very highly anticipated game up in South Carolina. But we get to see some new faces uh, for the Seahawks. Uh, finally, and of course, they have they have to replace uh, some big names: Maha Lundman, Hendrickson, and of course uh, Kioka uh, Koshijima Kiki, uh, who I thought was one of the best midfield midfielders uh, that I saw at any team uh, at, at, at any uh, men's or women's uh, in any conference in the NAI. A huge uh, part of their team that they have to replace, but they do have some newcomers, freshmen, and transfers. Uh, Angelia Cahilo, uh, Kaleo, I believe I'm saying that right, Olivia uh, Postate, and Hannah Mazuko. I believe I'm saying uh, all of those uh, names right, hope so, but I'm sure we'll be finding out about them soon again. Uh, like if there's ever a game on at Kaiser, I know this game won't be, but I know Kaiser, they always have great broadcasters, they're always uh, – do a jam-up job with pronunciation. <laughs> After that first game, I should have them uh, down, but apologies um, if I don't have that right. But I, I think Kaiser, obviously, the way last year ended, um, 
they're just ridiculous season uh, where they won 20-something games, did not lose until the semifinals of the NAI tournament, uh, three set-piece goals against Spring Arbor, who would go on to win the national championship for women's soccer uh, and start the year number one overall, Kaiser starting the year number three overall. I, I think that is going to light – obviously it's going to light a fire under Kaiser – uh, for this year, because it did feel like that team, it was destined to win a red banner. And that little check there, them not being able to get there, I think it's going to be really interesting to see how they start off the year. Um, also, because you have other women's soccer teams that have – the, the other big two, uh, if you will, in the, in the big three, they have already had big wins. Now, Southeastern, not an official win yet, but they did take down a Division two opponent in Embry-Riddle, uh, the one in Daytona. So, Southeastern, they're going to be a, a really good team. And not only that, but we already discussed SCAD, what they've done early on this year. But now there seems to be an emergence of a number four team in the Sun Conference that – could potentially have top 10 potential. And that is St. Thomas. St. Thomas went out to Arizona, took care of a, a Ben U Mesa squad handily, and then uh, and a game that was – honestly, I just chalked it up as, hey, St. Thomas, go out there, get a win. They did that against Ben U. Then they have to play a national powerhouse, number nine team in the country, Embry-Riddle. They fall down in the first half, and they come back two late goals uh, to – have an incredible comeback win over the number nine team in the NAI. So now it's it, not so much pressure on Kaiser, but it is kind of like, okay, the, uh, the obviously the top two teams, and we, I think we can safely say now St. Thomas women's side, they are that number four team as it stands right now, at least in the Sun Conference. It's going to be interesting to see how, what Kaiser does. And we already talked about uh, both Mahas and Kiki Gone. Um, also, uh, Grace McClellan in uh, goal, no longer uh, there for Kaiser. So, a lot of new pieces for Coach Matt Dunn. He's obviously had a lot of success. We fully expect Kaiser to stay in that top three to five ranking and hopefully get back up to number one. Um, if they go out and they destroy Gwinnett, I would not be surprised in the slightest. But if Gwinnett uh, gives them a little chase, it could be that sign of, oh boy, this is, this could be. Let obviously uh, scad southeastern great teams, but going into any women's soccer season in the Sun Conference, it's Kaiser's to lose. If they don't show that early on, and uh, we, we've already discussed with multiple coaches, multiple topics about the shortened out-of-conference schedule, it's now, okay, what can Kaiser do to fix this quickly before they do get into conference play? My opinion, they're going to be fine. They're going to go out and they're going to take care of business. Um, I am not betting against this Kaiser Seahawks team. I will not be betting against them in any game this year uh, until they give reason otherwise, which they did not at any point last year um, other than a unfortunate semifinal game where I, 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 I still stand on this soapbox. I think they were the better team in that game, but Spring Arbor just took advantage of – uh, their set pieces, but we don't need to dig up anything old. But let's talk a little bit um, about football. Obviously, we already had one game uh, last night, uh, one of the biggest non-conference games in the Sun Conference. It's almost one of the biggest non-conference wins in Sun Conference history with Mississippi College, a really good Division II team out of the Gulf South, taking on the Kaiser Seahawks in West Palm Beach. Back and forth game, special teams ended up being a huge part of of this game, which you know I love, a 46-yard field goal 
for uh, Mississippi College was the difference in the 17-14 loss for Kaiser. But the, a muffed punt by Mississippi College that they recovered, that was a, a point where you think of the Seahawks are able to do some, do some, or excuse me, fall on that, and that would have been a huge t- turning point in the game. What Kaiser did well, though, um, look, playing a triple option team is always going to be interesting. They're going to run the ball on you, but I, I think in watching the second half of that game, and again, Josh, he was able to keep up with it more than I was, obviously. But uh, what he said, I mean, they they were able to run the ball just as well as last year. Return, they returned four of their five offensive linemen uh, that uh, Kaiser's broadcasters they did mention uh, that, and that being a huge part. Uh, with Jaden Meisinger taking fully over. Of course, he was a huge part of their playoff run last year. Uh, but him taking over for Marquise Burgess, the uh, 5,000-yard rusher, they did well rushing the ball, and they stopped the triple option the best they could, only uh, allowing 14 points. As I mentioned, special teams, a uh, big big part of that. Uh, Phil, uh, Wendell Road, Phil, excuse me, uh, took a punt return back to the house. So, um, it, it, it's once again one of those things where we're seeing the continuation of growth in NAI programs, which we're going to talk a good bit about uh, with Coach Reichel. I'm not going to hold you all too much longer. That interview coming right up. And again, uh, for that interview, if you want to see it, uh, watch it in person. It is up on Twitter now. Uh, this part uh, of the podcast is not. This is for the audio only. But just that interview, it is up on Twitter. So uh, let's take a little bit more uh of a look at what Josh has written up. Uh, Florida Memorial, after their very uh, their heartbreaking uh, loss, obviously against Bluefield, uh, had the lead with less than two minutes left, and Bluefield scored late. Antonio Williams had 350 all-purpose per, all yards. George Young was a beast again. Walton Wilbin uh, had a huge day. Uh, the big thing is obviously, as, J- J- as Josh said, for Florida Memorials, they take on Edward Waters, is going to be the defense. Uh, their, their secondary needs to take a step up from week one to week two. Again, it's all according to Josh. Uh, Ave Maria, we already talked about them, a long trip uh, for them up to Lawrence Tech. How could they handle themselves on the road uh, against the team? Uh, Josh thinks they should be able to handle. Southeastern, uh, again, uh, we talked about them. Need to focus on defending the run against the Savannah State team, according to JB. Um, and then, if, again, I mean, if, something Josh talk, talked about a couple weeks ago, Southeastern football, after a very down year by their standards last year, that they, they are looking uh, to bounce back. And I think you'll get a good feel for that program and how they're going to be this year uh, in this game. Last year they went up to Savannah State, took care of business, and if they're able to do – uh, something uh, something similar, I, I think you can say, well, at least they're trending in the right direction. However, Savannah State goes and gives them a game. You wonder if they're going to take a step back, especially with a lot of transfers out of that program, something I didn't really know about until talking with my teammates and listening to the Kaiser broadcast. There's a lot of former fire players, both out of the Sun Conference and transferring in the conference. So it's going to be really interesting. I think that's going to be the most interesting game outside of obviously the big one St. Thomas versus Stetson um, also we have we have uh, Weber versus Cumberland uh, I will not be speaking on, on that game period whether Josh's note, notes or not he just has revenge game um, I'll, I'll keep it at that obviously uh, Weber did well running the ball last week but that's all I'm going to 
to say, and hopefully, uh, you know, God willing, a warrior victory over the Phoenix. But the big one is obviously Stetson uh, against St. Thomas. We talked about it, and Josh's point is very, very, very simple. Is the defense, if the defense is the same it was last year, and they are able to run the ball, they are going to beat Stetson. That's pretty sim- simple enough for him. He's he's high high on the Bobcats this year. I think I, um, uh, I think that's a fair point for him. And uh, the big key though is what they're able to do at the line of scrimmage. What makes St. Thomas so good, according to JB, is how they are able to dominate the line of scrimmage. Is what they did so well last week against Fort Lauderdale and so well last year uh, throughout their season. But now against a Division One opponent. In the same uh, league, the Pioneer League, as they almost were able to get a win against Butler last year, a 31-26 loss for the Bobcats, one of their two losses of the year. Now they get a chance to go to Stetson and possibly uh, get a huge win. Uh, that's going to be it, it for me. I'm sure there's a couple other things, but I do have to uh, get, get to practice. I'm going to kick it over now to myself and St. Thomas head coach and athletic director, Bill Reichel. Thanks for tuning in. Okay, we welcome on a very special guest. It is the head coach of the football team for the St. Thomas Bobcats and the athletic director for St. Thomas, Coach Bill Reichel. Coach, how we doing? Good, man. Just, uh, you know, at that time of year, we're uh, we're getting going here, and we got yeah. not only football, but all our fall sports going. So it's 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 exciting time. Back to school, man. Yeah, we both got to participate in, I guess, the week zero of college football uh, this past week. Had some good results. Y'all took care of business against Fort Lauderdale. Uh, we took care of business uh, against Stetson. But we got a big matchup for y'all uh, coming up. Uh, Josh, our, our guy that covers uh, football in the Sun Conference, unfortunately, he had to leave last minute. He got called in for baseball. Uh, hey, a, a college athlete, you know plenty You know plenty about it. Uh, we'll get in your playing career uh, here in a little bit, but Josh had that game, this game coming up against Stetson, number two game uh, for non-conference in the, in the Sun Conference to watch. Uh, he had uh, the game against Texas Wesleyan and Carroll right up there as well for uh, y'all. This gauntlet that y'all are uh, going through, like we said, Stetson to D1, Carroll and Texas Wesleyan, for those that don't know, two top 25 NAI teams. What are you looking to find uh, your 2023 squad in this tough stretch uh, before traveling up to Babson Park and, and uh, where we get to see each other in person again? Uh, no, I'm just trying to prepare for the Sun Conference. Uh, <laughs> I, mean, I, I think we have one of the strongest conferences in, in the country. And uh, obviously being down here in Florida uh, and us even more so down here in South Florida, th- there's not a, a lot of people that are willing to come and play the Sun Conference teams. No. So uh, I think the commissioner put out on social media last week sometime some of our our top games we have coming up against ranked opponents and things like that, which is wonderful for the conference to kind of continue to build our footprint and and show our, our recognition at the national level. But hard to find games, hard to find people to come down and play us. Um, and I, I just I want I think our conference is really tough. So to to play some good opponents early on to prepare yourself to kind of for the gauntlet of of trying to compete to win the Sun Conference is, is what we're all we're striving for. So that's that's where we're at. Yeah, we saw uh, in the scheduling this year, really the first kind of big matchup when we think about, uh, you know, a higher uh, NAI or a top level division two. We have Mississippi College actually playing tonight 
uh, against Kaiser, but we saw y'all had to travel a lot uh, for, for games last year, uh, Kaiser as well, but it is tough to get teams. And it, part of me is like, I can't kind of, uh, I can't kind of blame them because we played uh, Lincoln University uh, NCAA uh, D2 from up north of Oakland, who hasn't really practiced much about 80 degrees. We played them to open the year last year and coached by the first quarter. They had the big Gatorade ice buckets just something on top of top of their heads. It's a little, little different with the uh, hu- humidity. But I, I think another point that, that you said, just preparing for uh, the Sun Conference, obviously I've come to know it very well over the last uh, couple of years playing in it, and I've gone gone on record many times. This conference is right up there just as good with the MIAA, which I played in my freshman year at also Lincoln University out of Jefferson City, Missouri. They just had some of the top Division II programs historically, like Pittsburgh State, uh, North uh, Northwest Missouri, the Bearcats, Central Missouri, uh, Mules, good, consistently top 25 programs Fort Hayes as well and when I played through this season uh two years ago and then last season and preparing for this year I'm like the competition level is very little different we're seeing it in results uh we saw with y'all last year uh, against Butler I mean just down to the wire uh, against a division one opponent you're uh, hopefully uh y'all go and uh give Stetson um everything they got and we got them next week and uh, we'll see again tonight. We get to see where the NAI is, the NAI is compared again to NCAA tonight uh, with Kaiser. By the time everybody's hearing this, we'll uh, kind of uh, figure that out. But you mentioned also what uh, Commissioner Wilkie said. We are not afraid to go out and travel against these uh, big opponents. And I think that's huge for the NCAA. Uh, uh, the NAI to continue to grow, but uh, you know, speaking of growth, coach, uh, a lot of growth uh, came from the the leaders that you had when you came in 2019 and and took over. You had some great kids, uh, both that year and the year prior. Uh, Tyler Thomas, Sydney Porter, Keon Phillips, anchoring that offensive line. Can you talk about those guys and maybe some others that were key in building uh, this program when you took over in 2019? No, I can't speak. So last year was our first senior class, fourth year of football with those guys that you mentioned, Keon, Sydney, Tyler, uh, some of the other ones as well. Uh, obviously, as you know, with the COVID year, we have quite a few back as fifth year seniors, but uh, I can't thank the, excuse me, thank those guys and speak highly enough about them. Uh, just they helped us start it, but they, they believe the dream that uh, we started, to, we decided to start football here at St. Thomas University uh, in 2019, it was announced. We hit the ground running with a, a full varsity schedule in 2000. I'm sorry, 2018, it was announced. 2019, we hit the ground running with a schedule. Um, but when we recruited these guys and they came to campus and tried to check some things out, uh, they obviously were coming here to make a college decision of where they wanted to get a degree, where they wanted to get their education, how that fit was for them. But from the athletic piece of it, we didn't have a football field. We didn't have a locker room. We didn't have a jersey. Uh, we, we had nothing. I, I think underneath the shirt I'm wearing right now is basically our first shirt ever that's like a Bobcat generic shirt here. Um, that That's what we had. Uh, and we promised them and told them that first and foremost, by the time they would show up in August and we needed to start training camp, that we would have the equipment, that we'd have a locker room, that we'd have somewhere to practice. We knew we were going to play our games over at Pace High School. And and then on top of that, we, we we told them the vision that we had here of putting the turf in, of playing football actually 
Pace High School were pretty fortunate. It's almost like being on our campus, but now to actually truly be, be on our campus and to have our, our scoreboard and all those things. And we're, we're not finished yet. We understand we have to build a stadium and we have to finish some things off, but they believed in the vision. Um, they helped us start the program. They helped us build the culture. So uh, extremely proud of all those guys. It's something that they can't have, have taken away from them for the rest of their lives of yeah. what they accomplished here and the, what they went through, um, but also very grateful for what they did for the university and what they did for this program kind of moving forward. Yeah. I mean, th those are um, all guys, uh, a couple other, obviously Tay Farmer, Lucas Rodriguez, guys that I I've talked to uh, that, that have been around uh, for a little bit. Uh, Tay Farmer, not quite as long, but we'll talk more about him and what he's done in just a, a short time uh, shortly. But I mean, just talking with those guys, you, you can feel that we bought in immediately and it, it was really cool about a, just about a year ago today when we had Tyler on, he talked about, uh, you know, buying in, realizing they were going to be playing on a high school field for uh, a year. And like you said, didn't have a jersey, didn't really ha have anything. And to see that what was built from 2019 on, I think it's really impressive. And I think it's what you see a lot happening in, in the Sun Conference. We see, obviously, uh, what Southeastern and Kaiser has built. We've seen, uh, you've seen uh, Weber since you got there do something similar with uh, the turf field. When I got here, the turf field was already there, but I got to see Warner. Warner went from uh, not, not much of a field to having this great turf. Uh, that we played on uh, last year. And they're going to look, like you said, build the stadium. Weber as well with our uh, cabanas and building a stadium and a fun atmosphere as well. I think that's something great that we get in the Sun Conference and the NAI to continue uh, to see uh, uh, building and uh, progress. But uh, you're wanting to continue uh, with progress as well. Obviously, uh, those guys that we were just talking about, uh, they helped build that foundation. But all football programs, they have guys come in and you have to reload. Who are some new faces that you were looking to uh, replace these guys, especially uh, under center? We've got to have a new guy not named Tyler Thomas slinging the ball for the Bobcats. Right. Now, we're fortunate that obviously we, we you know that day is coming. It's a little bit different in the first four to five years of a football program because you, you've had that consistency and you've had those mainstay guys there year in and year out where usually in a normal football scenario – you have guys for four or five years, but they're really not in the big picture until maybe year two, year three, year four, depending on how they develop as a player. So uh, a lot of the guys we've had, they, they've been playing for us for a long time. As you mentioned, Lucas, he's a fifth year senior for us. He's a captain. He's back for his last year as he finishes up his undergrad stuff. Uh, so we're fortunate to have him back. But there's excuse me, there's new faces. But uh, they're new, so to speak, but they're not totally new to the program. Like, we, we don't have an onslaught. We finally came to the level that we have a great freshman class that's come in again. And a lot of those guys are going to be competing for playing time and pushing those guys ahead of them. And I think that's obviously ultimately what makes you a better football program and helps you take some of those next steps to win championships. Yep. But uh, Tyler's gone, did a great job for us at quarterback. But um, Taekwon is back. Uh, he, he's played some for us. Taekwon uh, Watkins has played for, I'm sorry, Wiggins has played for us uh, in different scenarios throughout his career. We're kind of, he's competing still right now, even heading into week two with Keely Watson. He's been here for us, was a freshman last year. So the, in those certain scenarios, it's a guy that was a freshman last year that had a great offseason and now is a sophomore, maybe a little bit more ready to compete or a guy that's been a backup that it's not kind of wholesale changes that we, we have. It's, kind of building from within and continuing to to kind of create the culture that we feel we need here uh, to, to, to pursue those championships. 
We got to see a little bit of uh, Taekwon Josh was uh, talking about seeing him and uh, just in spurts uh, last season. And he was like, this is going to be the guy that's going to come back uh, after uh, Thomas is gone. They're not going to miss a beat. And that, that uh, I, from what we saw against Fort Lauderdale, obviously uh, there's going to be some tougher opponents other than, than uh, Fort Lauderdale with all due respect, but uh, pretty, pretty good. I mean, 70 points. You got, that's got to put, put a little bit of a smile on your face uh, week one, right? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, I they, uh, they did a good job, obviously. I, I they, they have, they're, they're a really young football team, uh, kind of where we started four years ago. It's pretty much all freshmen. Uh, they, they've done a good job of building that, competing in the game. Um, we had some, some things. It's your typical game one. I'm sure same stuff you guys went through last week, too, that uh, you, you get in your game one and try to iron out some of those penalties and tackling and ball security and some of those execution errors, things like that. But uh we, you score 70 points, you you run the ball, you don't give up any sacks. Yeah. Uh, so it's, it, it was a good day. We talk about running the ball and giving up uh, no sacks. That sounds like typical St. Thomas with that offensive lineup. We talked about some guys that uh, had to uh, be replaced, but like we also said, Captain Lucas Rodriguez, Jason Collins as well, coming back on that O-line, and then arguably the best running back in the NAI. I and Tay Farmer, you know, what is it about the Bobcat rushing attack? Is it the recruiting, the development, or just overall scheme or a combination of that that makes y'all one of the best, y'all one of the best rushing attacks last year? And I got to assume y'all are going to plan to do that again at the NAI level this year. Excuse me. Yeah, we truly, we try to be balanced. I mean, that, that's our goal on offense is to be as balanced as possible in whichever way the game is going, you, you probably get top heavy. Um, but when you, when you look at it this way, obviously I'm an offensive line guy at heart. I'm an offensive line coach. I love to run the football. Um, coach Niemeyer, Tony Niemeyer, who's our offensive coordinator, who's been with me for a long, long time. He's an offensive line guy. So when you get a couple offensive line people in the room or how you want to play football, uh, sometimes it leans that way that uh, I, I, I love scoring points. All I really care about if, if we win three to nothing and we rush for a couple hundred yards and don't give up any sacks, it, it's like gold to me uh, that I, I love when our defense plays great. And I think that's a big part of it too. You got to play complimentary football, but our, our defense is really good. We, we talk a lot about at the beginning of the year, especially if you want to compete at the championship level and you want to compete late in the season, you have to be able to run the football and you have to be able to stop the run. Uh, you you, you got to be able to, to do the other things too, but th th those two things win championships for you, and probably even more so stopping the run. If you can stop the run on with defense, it, 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 you shut a lot of things down. I think just by competing against each other in practice, our defense, we're talking about scoring 70 points, but us scoring 70 points, they were a big part of that. That When we played in that first game, uh, along with our special teams that did a good job of fielding some punts and doing some things, I we didn't have a ton of yards. Like you, you figure usually you score 70 points and you, you're going to have like a thousand yards offense or something. We, we were still under 500 yards of total offense just because our defense did such a great job of getting the football back to the offense on the other side of the 50. Yeah. Uh, and that wasn't even with a whole bunch of turnovers or anything. It, it was just stopping them, forcing a punt backed up and we, we get the ball in great field position. So um, we love to run the football here. We love to throw it too. We got some really good wide receivers that are explosive that I think are going to have some big years for us as, as our offense continues to develop and um, is more balanced, but the competition that we have in practice and the focus, I think that we have that we need to have of stopping the run and, and generating a great run game is, has led to some of the success for our guys. And at the end of the day, we're just coaches. The, the, the guys go out there and play, man. So when you got guys like Tay and Taekwon and Keeley and some of our wide receivers that are coming along with David Hayes and Kalitri has been along for uh, a little while here, 
Um, there's a lot of fun things that you can do to to hopefully put the defense in a bind and 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 do some great things on offense. Yeah, something you mentioned uh, uh, earlier, and people watching on Twitter just know anything about me. You know, I'm a huge fan of those people right there, the Georgia Bulldogs. Something they did, they've done pretty well under uh, Kirby Smart's era is being able to dominate uh, the line of scrimmage and stop the the running game. It's something y'all y'all do well when you look at even on when, when you look at like Georgia's social media. It's always a huge point of emphasis. What how do we rush versus how do we stop the rush? They talk about that on social media all the time, and in this new era of running gun football that's uh, kind of how it's been over the last 10, 15 years or so. You, when you have one of the dominant defenses like Georgia's had over the last two years, it nullifies uh, some, some of these offenses. And sometimes we have to have Ohio State, you just have to uh, have a kicker miss one 30 yards uh, left. That was that was electric. That was a good time. But coach, one take a brief step away from football because you are the athletic director uh, of St. Thomas and y'all had a pretty good start uh, to the fall, obviously, uh, men's soccer is going to be competing at the national level again, uh, the defending champions and volleyball off to a hot start. But how about y'all's women's soccer team yesterday? A thrilling game down, uh, d- down a goal, second half, score two uh, to take out the number nine team in the country, Embry Riddle. I mean, what, what can you just talk about the fall sports outside of, of football and how uh, and some of the exciting things y'all got going on this fall? No, I'm I'm really I was happy for for those those women that are out in Arizona right now. They're headed back here today, so it's a great trip for them to kind of start the year and get their team bonding and things like that. But to to roll out of there with two wins, one versus a top ten team, uh, it's awesome. And then volleyball, they're headed out to Kansas. Uh, they actually leave this afternoon. That they're they're playing three top ranked teams in the country uh, in Kansas over this stretch of the next couple of days for one of their trips. So uh, it's kind of the same that we talked about in the beginning with football. That yes. uh, you have to compete at the high level. That we have a lot of good women's soccer teams in the conference. We, we, volleyball is a sport that's emerging in the conference that uh, is growing, and I think we can have uh, a few more national contenders there within the Sun. So, in order to do that and to make the run, you you have to play quality opponents to set yourselves up to kind of see where some of your weaknesses are. So the 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 athletes see kind of get into some games that are a little bit more tight and have to face some adversity and things like that. So uh, just like we've done with football, they've done a great job of planning their schedules to put them in a, a position to be very competitive um, once the once the conference schedules start. So excited for all those teams. Our cross-country team, uh, they, they fired up this weekend as well. That We have a new head coach there and Ryan uh, Macizo, he, he's, he's been an assistant for us, but he he's here as well. So there's some exciting things. It's, it's the beginning of the school year. So uh, we're excited about all of our sports, but fall uh, with football and volleyball and cross country and the soccer teams, we're the ones that get to kick it off, you know, as the, uh, everybody has their non-traditional seasons and things like that, but it's an exciting time to start the school year for educational purposes, but uh, same thing with all of our fall athletics, you know. Yeah, it's always fun. Yeah, that, that's the that's the one thing. It's kind of like I oh, got got to get back to school. Academics are, are important, man. That's what I step on campus that first day. It's like, oh, it's football season, baby. It's soccer season. We're ready to we're ready to uh, rock and roll. Uh, Coach, do do have uh, one thing that that we wanted uh, to touch on because, and this is something I I even spoke on it at the end of last year. And like everybody knows, I keep my football opinions um, out of the Sun uh, Sun Conference. And this is something Josh harped on heavily, and I I completely agreed. We both thought that y'all um, were go- going to get an auto bid uh, for the NAI playoffs. Um, obviously, those wounds um, have have healed, and y'all are on to the 2023 uh, season. But 
when that happened, how did you and the team kind of take that and now use it as motivation over the last nine months uh, to prepare for this season and to ensure when a selection, uh, the selection show uh, comes up again, y'all, y'all's name will be getting called. Um, I mean, at first, obviously it's, it's, you can't control it. So what are you going to do? Right. Right. You got to work harder. Uh, that at the end of the day, we put ourselves in that position, like everybody else besides Kaiser and the sun conference, uh, that we didn't win the conference championship to get an automatic qualifier to the playoffs. So then you rely on the voting and the process and everything else uh, that obviously is expanded now to 20 teams and things like that. So hopefully we can get multiple teams in from our conference that are deserving. And I think that's why it's so important for us to all be playing these these good non-conference games to show what our conference is really about. So those those couple teams that end up on top at the end of the year uh, that we, we can get hopefully multiple teams in. But uh, at the end of the day, um, I think there's some motivation through the off season and some spring practice, because if you really want it, change it, prove it, make them leave no doubt, whatever one of those hashtags or everything else that you want to use to get there. Uh, that's what you have to do. So, I mean, I was a big proponent of trying to get people to play our Sun Conference teams, St. Thomas, obviously, in particular, what what our resume was and the things that we've done. Um, and at the end of the day, as soon as fall camp started in, in August there, August 1st was our first practice, uh, we're on to Team 2023. Um, so I think we can learn on some of those things. And um, at the end of the day, you, you take it one week at a time, try to put your best product out there each Saturday that we're, we're going to try to play the best football versus Stetson this Saturday that we can play. And once we get through that one, we'll figure out the next week what it's going to take to, to I think we go to Montana or something, the, the next one that uh, we, yeah. we, try, you know, we, we try to figure out uh, what's the best team we can be at Carroll. And if we continue to do that, hopefully we're playing our best football by the end of the season. Um, that's our goal. And if we take care of what we need to and do the things there, that that hopefully everything will speak for itself. And and part of that is playing these two teams, right? You said Carroll and Mont- So Carroll got in behind us. Uh, to the playoffs last year because they won their conference and rightfully so they deserve to get their automatic bid and Texas Wesleyan was in a very similar situation to us that if if we were the first team left out or whatever you want to classify us as they were either 1a or 1b we were kind of right in there together the two two teams that had really good seasons and unfortunately didn't make the playoffs so um, our goal is to win the conference championship um, that's always our first goal here at St. Thomas, and we're going to compete and do everything we can to hopefully live up to some of those dreams. Do you think how Kaiser uh, did in the playoffs uh, last year, obviously making it uh, to the championship and just an insane gauntlet of away games, do you think that really changed the the national narrative of how the Sun Conference is viewed in football? I believe so. I mean – and you guys are going through it to an extent too. And, and so are we that um, I think it proves the product that we have down here, right. That um, last year, for example, in that season, Kaiser's not going out and blowing out every sun conference team, 70 to nothing. No. And then all of a sudden they make the playoff run that they, they had very competitive games against people in our conference that shows, and you can't start comparing scores, but it shows the competitiveness of our conference. Mm-hmm. And I think, when, when you ask anybody on the phone, hey, you want to play this game or, hey, do you want us to do you want to come to Florida or, hey, we're willing to come up to you and they're not willing to play. But then they got to vote for our teams, too. So if you're not willing to play us, you got to be able to you got to be willing to vote for the Southeasterns and the Kaisers and the St. Thomases, because you you obviously uh, 
have feelings of what what how good they are, but that's got to show up on paper too. And it, it's all part of it. I, I don't want to get on my soapbox too much, but it's we got a lot of young football teams down here, right? Yeah. And, uh, the, everybody sees everything in the Midwest and everywhere else that they don't pay attention to Florida as much until they actually see them on film or play them. So hopefully Kaiser's run kind of opened up some of the eyes of, uh, I was really uh, um, kind of happy to see the, some of their accomplishments and the run that they could make and, and things like that. And I, I think any time that I probably regardless of sport, but any time anybody can do well in our conference, it's great for the conference, right? Absolutely. Well, once you, when you're playing each other week in, week out, there's some of those rivalries and everything else that you want to win those games but when you get to the national level and your conference team is playing against somebody else or it's almost conference versus conference, uh, I like to see all of our teams and, and all those sports do as do as much as they can and, and have some great outcomes. It's a great reflection on all of us down here. Yeah, and you hit the nail on the head there at, at the end. It is that Sun Conference versus whatever when we get to that NAI level. And I, I, I can 100% say I had – every game that Kaiser played that was four, five, six, seven of my teammates. We were sitting right there watching and I'm not going to say we were the biggest Seahawks fans per se, but we were certainly wanting them to represent uh, the Sun Conference as, as well as uh, they, they did. And I, I, that, that wasn't even a question I had planned. It was one I, I kind of popped up because it it did. I mean, I, I think it absolutely changed uh, what, what the Sun Conference was all about because it, it wasn't like they got to go and – I mean, they what they started with, what, four seed and then three seed and one seed, back to back right. to back, all, all on the road. And um, I mean, not not to harp on a uh, 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 Kaiser for too long, but when we, I saw that, I was that's when I really realized I knew that the Sun Conference, like I mentioned, uh, and people that don't know the MIAA, I mean, it's kind of comparable to the Big Twelve or the Big Ten um, in Division Two football. Is kind of how I would compare it. And I was playing in that for a year, and then came down here and saw that this is the very same same level. It shocked me by the lack of top ten, top twenty five teams that were in the Sun Conference. And then soon, soon after I started this and uh, we are, we're already seeing, we have y'all now uh, starting the year inside the top 15, obviously Kaiser number two, Southeastern knocking on the door. And hopefully we are, we are too. Don't know where, where exactly we are with the receiving votes, but uh, hopefully we'll get there. And I think it, both of those things too, I've been a part of another conference, not in the NAI, but the, the stigma of that conference was, Every, regardless who got in, and a lot of times it's a, the perennial same team or whatever is win the conference championship, get the bid to the playoffs, they would get bounced the first game. of. I don't think that the conference itself had, hadn't won a playoff game. So it, it's tough to get that recognition. And if you want to try to get multiple teams in, if your first team isn't doing real well that gets in every year, it, it doesn't bode well saying, okay, well, let's let another one of those conference schools in. And yeah. when you, when you talk about let's, let's go sun conference. I mean, it's the same thing as when I saw you when we were, when we were playing up at the uh, Southeastern uh, opening round for basketball, yeah. did you're there kind of covering from the suncast stuff and things like that. And at that point we're, we were lucky enough to get two basketball teams in with us in Southeastern, but we were the game in town and, and you're there trying to cover it for the sun conference and support. It, it turns into all right, well, it's, I was hoping Southeastern got in as well so we can get as many basketball teams yeah. in as we can because it, it speaks well for, for all of our sports. Absolutely, it does. Uh, Coach, I want to talk a little bit about your college career because when I got looking into it, it wasn't um, exactly a mediocre career by uh, any stretch. If there are any huge D3 
uh, fans uh, out there. You played on one of the one of the halves of arguably uh, one of the more successful rivalries in all of college football, the Wisconsin Whitewater versus Mount Union uh, rivalry. But uh, you, you were there, and you were a national champion and All American. But uh, that that Mount those Mount Union teams, one of uh, it, I mean. I wouldn't say I'm a D D three nerd, but I, I know I know D three football, and I, I saw you play for Mount Union in those glory years. I mean, what 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 was it like playing in the glory years for Mount Union, and what made those teams so elite? Um, the unbelievable experience. I, I do what I do in higher athletics, whether it's athletic director, football coach, whatever. I got into higher uh, academic athletics because mm -hmm. of my experience at Mount Union, and, and not just the football experience, but just the student athlete small school football, whether you want to say D3, D2, NAI, uh, all those things, I, I I had a wonderful experience. And not that I can force it on any of our student athletes here. And part of that is up to the student athlete of what experience you make for yourself. But from my perspective, I want to do anything I can in my role to promote that and make sure that they have a great experience. Um, so that that's kind of where it starts for me. And uh, I was fortunate enough to be a part of three national championships. I only lost one game as a as a college football player throughout my career, uh, playoffs included. Um, so what it, it taught me how to win, and it taught me how to be a winner at life. Uh, just because um, we talk a lot here about how you do anything is how you do everything. You you can't just roll out and think you're going to win a football championship uh, or any sports championship for that matter just because you want to, or everybody, everybody goes into fall camp thinking you're going to win the national championship or you're going to win the conference championship. And then things get real and things shake out. Right. Yeah. But it's how you go about your life of being a leader, what the culture is in your program and on your team, how you go to class, how, how you conduct yourself as a citizen on campus. All those things matter when you're building your culture uh, to win championships and Mount Union taught me that way. And was, was everybody a perfect angel and got straight A's nine, 100% of the time? Absolutely not. But they knew what it was going to take and how you had to conduct yourself, whether it be in the weight room, the classroom, the dorm, anything, uh, in order to compete at that championship level. And that's what we've tried to bring here and how we've tried to build our program with that culture and that mindset of uh, creating championship habits. Yeah. Uh, that trickle over to the team and that make you a great teammate and make you a great leader. And, and ultimately that's what it comes to. It turns into a player led team that can hold each other accountable and have one common goal at a really high level. And, and that's what we're continuing to try to build here. Well, you're starting to see uh, guys come back. I believe uh, Tyler, he's back on staff, correct? Yeah. Tyler's with us. Uh, another one of our D linemen that started the programs for us, Urchon, Urchon Chatelain. He's back for us. Um, I probably would have hired my whole my whole young part of my graduate assistants, assistant, whatever you want to call that group. Yeah. Um, if I had more jobs open, it would probably would have been all of them. Uh, but those are the two that I knew wanted to do it and were interested in getting their master's degree. So uh, they're doing a really good job. And it it helps to have those guys because they so not only do we have the fourth and fifth year seniors and the sophomores and juniors that have been part of our program. Well, now we have guys that are involved in our coaching staff or on our coaching staff. That, that understand what it what it takes to be a student athlete here, but also what the expectations are of our program, that it's not somebody from the outside now that that doesn't know how we operate or what it what it really means to to, to start the program here and be a part of it. You get to keep that same, that same culture uh, right back in the building. I want to speak on that uh, 
uh, culture for, for my last question, but I do, do want to mention uh, one more thing about Mountain Union. When you were playing there, you got to play with some uh, head coaches. I, I think uh, some listeners might uh, know uh, as well. Matt Campbell, uh, Iowa State head coach, and uh, another one that uh, has had some pretty good success recently, Nick Sirianni, the Philadelphia Eagles head coach. You, uh, were, what were those guys uh, like, and did you ever think they would be coaching at such uh, high levels when you were you know, maybe doing some of those things that uh, – like you said, didn't get you to straight A's or whatnot on or off. Yeah. We had a lot of fun, uh, obviously. And and so Matt was a little, Matt's different because I was an offensive lineman and Matt was a defensive lineman. Yeah. So we, we always, not that we're not good friends and appreciate each other, but you, you always have that going against each other in practice and those type of things. Uh, ironically, so Nick, Nick stayed with me as a recruit with a kind of my, we lived in a house at a time. Uh, Nick's older brothers played at Mount Union as well. Actually, Nick's older brother, who's the head coach at WNJ, a Division three school in uh, Pennsylvania, he recruited me to Mount Union, uh, that he was an assistant coach there at the time. So Nick came on his recruiting visit. He, he was with us. He then was obviously on the team for a couple of years when I was still there. Um, so a little bit different there. But th those guys, it's just leadership qualities. Uh, it doesn't surprise me at all that we have the head coach at Toledo and a lot of his staff are, are, are my real good friends that he's a Mount Union guy as well. Uh, there's a guy that's on the Colts staff that was a, he's a Mount Union guy that was at Mount or that with, with Matt at Iowa state, uh, Tommy Manning, he's coaching the tight ends with the Colts. Uh, Alex Grinch, who's a year younger than me, one of my really good friends is a defensive back for us. He's a defensive coordinator over at USC. He was at Oklahoma and those type of things. So um there's a lot of great connections that you kind of build that coaching cradle and that fraternity of coaches that have all come out of Mount Union. And probably the most impressive piece of all of it is all the great high school coaches that have that are now coaching at the high school level that are Mount, former Mount Union football players. Um, but you, you have that culture that we spoke about and it, it trickles down. It teaches you the leadership qualities, I think, that you need to be successful, not only in the coaching profession, but also in life. And it, it, when you play at a place like Mount Union, you, you obviously have to be passionate about football. You have to love it in any college level. It's demanding, right? So to have that success and have that demand, it, it kind of turns out that, hey, I had a great experience. That's why I told you I'd do it. I love coaching college because I had a great experience in college playing football. Same with these other guys. And they've just done it at a high level and uh, have been really good at what they're doing. So it's it's fun to see them and know what the the idiots we all were back in college and different things that we that we had fun doing and now that they're playing for super bowls and playing in bowl games and, and everything else that they're they're doing a great job yeah actually i mean just one of those small small world things my dad went to clemson i actually was there he graduated uh the year that they won the national championship uh i think 81 88 anyways and we actually went to the cheese it bowl a couple of years ago uh when brock purdy threw that uh, crazy pass and he batted it down and Clemson player ran in for a pick six. Uh, I think I saw, I think I saw your buddy, Matt may say some choice words. We're going to keep off the air. Uh, oh, I'm, sure he did. I'm sure he did. Yeah. Me, me and Matt. So it, we didn't do as much like one-on-one -on -one stuff that we probably do in college right now. And uh, yeah. when we were playing where you go one O versus one D for this drill or whatever, this team period, um, right. But two minute drill, we we would be against each other quite a bit and stuff like that. And we do that during practice every week and stuff like that. And he was he's an All-American. He's a great football yeah. player and transitioned uh, into being a great coach. So. Yeah, I mean, he he's he, just a couple of years ago, I mean, his name was connected with some of the top uh, jobs in the country. And he's going to be uh, right right back there. I mean, I, you know, Iowa State, that's a 
another situation, Boyd. He what he's done, I think he's a great coach. Uh, that I listen to other media people that have, I'll say, uh, opinions that are, I, I think, very generic. I think he's a great head coach. I think he's going through a little bit of a tough time right now with the Cyclones, but he's a young head coach. I think he's going to be uh, right back up. He's going to have a big time national job, but. Well, if we if we get talking about uh, you, you create expectations, and it's what have you done for me lately, right? So yeah, yeah. came out firing out of the box that Iowa State hadn't done anything, and now the expectations are higher, and they're supposed to be. A, so it's that's that's what it is. What it is. That's 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 the life of college athletics. That's that absolutely. That's the nature of the beast. But coach, uh, I appreciate you coming on. My final question for you: You've said this word uh about 10 times and it, it's my favorite word and people the listeners they know it, culture i believe a program from athletic department to the team it is all about culture and what you build it around so five years ago you take over in 2019 what was that culture and what was that that uh, initial block that you wanted to build the bobcat football program around and how is that built up over the last five years in miami gardens to having a now top 15 football team um, so we started, like I said, we, we, with a whole bunch of freshmen that graduated high school in May or June, and we had brought them in at the beginning of August and had to figure out how to play a college football season with a whole bunch of freshmen. Uh, so obviously you've been through it. It's a totally different animal. Not only is it a different animal of the, the playing level and the speed and every, all the athleticism and things that go into it, but you're the first time away from home and you got to figure out how to go to college classes and you got to figure out how to travel and uh, all the things that you kind of take for granted, none of our guys had done. And there was no seniors or anybody else to model it after. So our coaches almost had to model it. Um, so that's where we started. Um, like I told you uh, too, how you do anything is how you do everything. We started with those championship characteristics and what it was going to take to be successful. And it wasn't going to, it's guys, everybody had a different experience in high school of how they were coached the teams, how good they were on or how bad they were, or what, whatever the case may be. And now we're all together. So it was setting our expectations and demanding what it was going to take to be successful, not only as a college student, but as a football player. So it's the accountability. Some of these guys maybe never have been held accountable before. So the accountability piece of it, the discipline piece of it, uh, all those different things, how to practice, how to practice fast, all that type of stuff. Um, so it's those core values you have as a program that I think you need to be successful in life. And you build your culture around that and you hold people accountable to it. And from the beginning, our thing was set the standard. Here's our standards. Let's set them to begin with. Now we've moved on to raise the standards, right? That here's the standard that was already set. We built this program. We've had, this is what's happened over the course of these four seasons. What do we have to do to raise these standards and make sure that, the new people that come in are absorbed into those, that culture to meet those standards of what it's going to take to be here. And if you, and it's not for everybody. If, if you, if you can't operate how we want you to and how we need you to, and be a great teammate here with, with us, then there might be a better fit for you somewhere else. And we, we really try to go through that in recruiting and saying, Hey, this, this is what our expectations are. We think you're really good and would love to have you, but at the end of the day, if you think there's a better fit for you and your personality and how you operate, I totally understand that. Because if, if we have people that come in here nonstop and want to transfer, you're never really going to build a really good football program, a really good athletic program. So uh, we lay that out and people know our expectations and we just want to keep continuing to 
push that thing uphill and, and get where we want to go to accomplish great things. And if you do that, the ultimate goal anywhere in college athletics, but obviously here of what we preach is I love winning football games. I want to win as many games as possible. I want to win championships. But the greatest day for me in our four years here was last May when we actually had guys that walked across the stage because the, as much as we want to win football games, the major objective of going to college is to make sure that you get a degree, especially at the small scholarship football level. So yeah. what do we have to do for when guys leave here to make them great husbands, great fathers, great employees, great citizens uh, to serve them whenever, if you're fortunate enough to play in, in professional football, they're going to find you. But what do we have to do here from our standpoint to make sure that when you graduate, you're successful and you're ready to be a champion in whatever you decide to do with your family and your career? Yeah, that's great. Great answer, Coach. I mean, you, you, you're you're building these guys to succeed in life. I think that's where it all starts, especially from uh, the football level when you have a hundred or so uh, guys and they're, they're looking at you for their support with backgrounds of wherever and something my, my defensive coordinator in high school Jason Butler says that football is the ultimate team game uh you're going to build brothers that and relationships through coaches as well that you're gonna have for the rest of your life and that's ultimately what's going to shape you because it it's not exactly like these guys are just coming from uh not playing at all to uh playing you they have what they were built in uh, Pop Warner ball or whatever throughout high school relationship and then where you're, you're ultimately going to become the young man and where I've undoubtedly grown and getting to reflect back on it from when I was a 18 year old freshman rolling up in Jefferson City, Missouri to where I am now the development I, that I've had I mean it, it's unmatched and I owe the coaches I've had both um, at Lincoln, but especially at, at Weber, uh, a huge part of that. And uh, you're doing the same thing with your guys down at St. Thomas. And, Coach, I wish uh, nothing – the best of luck for you this week against Stetson the rest of the year. Um, you know, if you start the Sun Conference season 0-1, I mean uh, – but, but I mean, no, it, it, It'll be a fun game that I look forward to seeing in a couple weeks here. Yeah, it's, 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 it's going, going to be a fun one. Uh, Coach, looking forward to it. Again, I appreciate um, all, all your help, uh, what what you've done uh, for, uh, for Suncast as well, um, uh, help, helping uh, back, back, like we said, in basketball. Um, that was an incredible experience. Uh, obviously, we got to share, share together um, in Lakeland, Florida. Uh, but and, and, and everything else this season, Coach, uh, in all seriousness, best of luck. Wishing nothing but the best for uh, Bobcat football. Uh, this season and like you said look forward uh, here in about a month if there's anything else uh, you, you want to mention or talk about Mike's all yours if not I'm all good boss no I appreciate it. I mean you, you guys are doing a great job it's a lot of fun with all the sports of of how you're promoting the Sun Conference and it's becoming a bigger bigger part every year of kind of enhancing I think the experience of our student athletes and and you getting us out there too to to make a name for us in all of our different activities so uh, appreciate everything you're doing uh, keep having fun with it and you're doing a good job man Yes, sir. I appreciate you. Good luck this weekend against Stetson, Coach. All right. Appreciate it. Talk to you soon.